Hi, and welcome to the Anxiety Savvy Podcast, where you'll find cutting-edge, science-informed tools for navigating anxiety. Whether you struggle with anxiety or have a loved one who does, this podcast is for you. I'm your host, Dr. Alyssa Jared, licensed clinical psychologist and clinical assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania. An expert in the treatment of anxiety, I'm also an imperfect mom, wife, daughter, sister, and friend doing my best to show up and skillfully traverse the beautifully messy, emotion-strewn path that we call life. While I hope that this podcast helps you do the same, please note that the information shared here is not a substitute for therapy and is intended for educational purposes only. And now, without further ado, let's get started. Hey there, this is episode four of the Anxiety Savvy Podcast, and today I'm going to be shifting gears a bit. So this is going to be a solo show, and unlike in the previous two episodes where I talked about post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, and its treatment, in this episode, I'm going to move away from talking about any one particular disorder, and I'm going to talk instead about something that I think is on a lot of our minds, something that a lot of us are are experiencing these days. So specifically, I'm going to be talking about what people are calling re-entry anxiety or reopening anxiety. And I'll cover what, what this is, why it is that so many of us are experiencing it at this stage in the pandemic, and how we can use effective strategies Uh, evidence-based strategies to cope with this anxiety. So to begin, I want to briefly talk about what re-entry anxiety is. And I'm not going to spend too much time here because my guess is that most of you listening probably have some idea of what this is already. Either it's something that you're experiencing yourself or that you've heard a good amount about in the news or in the media. But briefly, I'll note that this is the anxiety, the uneasiness that many of us are feeling now as we emerge from a, you know, this prolonged period of quarantine and then social distancing that we were in. And as we begin to return to some semblance of what our lives used to look like before the pandemic. And I want to note here that this re-entry anxiety may seem confusing to many of us. We might not quite understand why it is that we're feeling so anxious right now, especially if we've been dreaming of getting back to normal for the past 16 months or so, right? Many of us have been almost like counting down the days or eagerly awaiting the moment when we would be able to return to our usual daily activities, to hug friends, to go out to restaurants, to send our kids off to summer camp. These are things that we were just hoping would happen. And now now we're here and we can do a lot of these things. And so it can seem strange to all of a sudden be feeling anxious about something that we were so 
eagerly anticipating. And so one of the things I'm hoping you'll take from this episode is that though it might seem confusing at first, this anxiety that that we're, many of us are experiencing right now actually makes a ton of sense. So let's talk about why that's the case, why it makes so much sense for so many of us to be feeling so, or not so anxious, but for so many of us to be feeling anxiety about re-entering into the world, about reopening right now. And I'll start by saying that there are a number of reasons, and I'm probably not going to go into every reason, but I, I want to highlight a few. And the first, the one that I think is kind of a big one, is that there's a lot of uncertainty in the air right now surrounding what's safe and what's not safe and surrounding what the future holds. And if you remember from the first episode, for those of you who listened to it, I talked there about how uncertainty, um, it's kind of like the, the perfect, most fertile soil for anxiety to grow. That uncertainty often fuels anxiety because it's hard for us to feel safe and secure when it seems as though there might be some potential threat out, out there. And when it's not clear what's safe and what's not safe for us to do. And so right now in the pandemic, again, there's a lot of uncertainty driving this anxiety. It's not entirely clear what's happening now. And like just a few in terms of what steps we should be taking or shouldn't be taking in order to keep ourselves safe, right? So uh, just a few weeks ago, people were going into stores, many people without thinking twice about going in without a mask on. And now because of the Delta variant, which seems to be more infectious and more you know, uh, easy to transmit, now some mask mandates are coming back into place, even for people who have been vaccinated. And so things are, are really changing. And as a parent, even, I know I am sending my kids to summer camp this summer. And earlier in the summer, it was that kids were supposed to wear masks at all times, except for when eating and swimming. And then a week or so into camp, they just, the camp decided that kids could take off their masks when around their, their um, like their bunk, their, their, uh, their cohort, but that they would need to wear masks indoors if they ever went indoors and also went around other, other bunks. So the, the guidelines there were changing and I don't know what's going to happen with the guidelines now, um, because of, uh, because of the Delta variant, if those will change or not. So, so guidelines are kind of changing. It's like we, we have to, we're being kept on our toes a lot. And for many people, I think who were starting to feel more comfortable about things, feeling as though, uh, feeling hopeful that this pandemic was starting to, we were starting to ease out of it. It's almost like the rug is being swept from under us now that a lot of restrictions, at least some restrictions seem to be coming back into place. And I think some people are concerned that maybe more restrictions might be needed. There's just this 
this sense of uneasiness and uncertainty about what's coming next. And I think some of that's even, I mean, you can see some of this play out even in the fact that there's, it doesn't seem as though there's um, necessarily consensus among medical experts about what's safe and not safe right now, what's recommended or not recommended. So um, as an example, uh, a few weeks ago, the CDC came out and said that those who have been vaccinated don't need to wear masks in school in the fall for K through 12 schools. And then just a few days ago, the American Academy of Pediatrics came out saying that they believe, they recommend that everyone in K through 12 schools wear masks, regardless of their vaccination status. And so again, even among experts, there, there's disagreement about what's safe and what's not safe. In, in, in my own family, I happen to have a family that has a number of physicians in it. And even in, in my family, there, there seems to be some disagreement again about what's safe and what's not safe. So it's confusing right now. There's a lot of uncertainty. And given this uncertainty, of course, we would be feeling anxious right now. The other thing that I think is contributing to some of the re-entry anxiety that people are experiencing is the fact that we are almost, we're in new territory now, unfamiliar waters, right? For the past year and a half, we've gotten really good at quarantining, social distancing, and masking up. And now all of a sudden we're... You know, we're allowed to go to outdoor gatherings with many people without wearing masks. And we're allowed to go, you know, in some places still are allowed to go indoors to stores without wearing masks. And again, this all now, like this is, this feels new. And because of it feeling new, it feels a little scary. We're out of practice doing some of these things. It's like um, we haven't... We haven't been really exercising our muscles for being in, so being at for attending social gatherings, for instance. And so, again, it's going to take some time to adjust to this new, this kind of new state of things. And 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 what's tricky is as soon as we start adjusting, there's a good chance that guidelines are going to shift again, are going to change again. So it's really hard to really find our footing right now. And if you think about it, in, by, by avoiding social gatherings, going to restaurants, going to, even for some of us, going to grocery stores, those were things that were pretty, those, those avoidance behaviors were pretty adaptive when the, the virus was really raging um, and case numbers were really high and we people hadn't been vaccinated yet. Like those were necessary avoidance behaviors that, you know, in by avoiding those things, we kind of, again, we, we taught ourselves that those situations are dangerous and at the time they were, but now we have these strong associations with you know, crowds being dangerous or the grocery store being dangerous. And so again, it's going to take some time to, um, to replace those associations 
with maybe more uh, helpful, adaptive, more current associations, right? Recognizing, okay, if I'm vaccinated, the grocery store isn't necessarily a dangerous place for me anymore. But again, that's going to take some time. And this might be especially challenging for people who have some sort of anxiety disorder that is triggered when in the presence of others or that's triggered when out of the house. So for instance, for people with social anxiety, their anxiety is often triggered by social interactions, right? There's a fear of being rejected by others. And in many ways for the past year, people, for a lot of people with social anxiety, this past year and a half has been kind of, has given them some relief, right? They haven't had to put themselves as often in the situations that make them anxious. But now that they're having to get back into it, into those situations, after such a prolonged time of being away from those situations, it can make those returning to social, their social lives even more anxiety-provoking than ever before, even more challenging. And if you think about it, this makes sense because the more we, the longer we avoid something, the more out of practice we are when it comes to doing that thing. And the bigger, the scarier that thing kind of starts to seem. So just as an example, years ago, I had a pretty scary experience while skiing. Uh, I'd been talked into going down a black diamond, even though I wasn't really quite ready for that. And it happened to be icy and I flew down that mountain, truly. Like I was getting air at times and I had no control whatsoever. I just went straight down and I couldn't stop, I couldn't turn, and I honestly thought I was gonna crash into someone, kill myself or someone else, I was terrified. And then I, I decided, I was like, I'm not skiing. And I took a long time, a long break from skiing. And then skiing became this bigger and scarier thing and it, it took a lot for me to get back on skis again. It was a, like a year or so later that I finally got back on skis and it was pretty scary. Right, at first, when I first got there, because it had been so long since I had skied. So all that's just to say that the longer we avoid a given situation or activity, the less familiar that situation or activity is going to seem to us. And the more likely it is that we're going to find ourselves feeling anxious when we return to that situation or activity. And you can probably think of times in your life where this was the case, where you took a break from doing uh, something for a, you know, a prolonged period of time and then found yourself feeling a little unsteady, a little wobbly, even maybe anxious when returning to doing that, that thing again um, after that, that long break. And so this is what just about all of us are experiencing right now. And for those of us who have some anxiety that's, you know, that manifests in social situations or when out of the home, this is this this anxiety might be especially intense because one, it's been a while since we've had to feel it. We've been able to comfortably avoid for the past year and a half. And 
And now, so the anxiety is new and, and also the idea of being in these situations has probably become, uh, again, it seemed like this bigger, scarier, more intimidating thing over the past year and a half, just as was the case for me with skiing after that long break, um, you know, that long time away from skiing. And the other thing that kind of complicates this for all of us is that none of us has ever re-entered into a, a post-pandemic world. Sure, we've been in social situations, gone to work, even flown on airplanes before, but none of us have ever done so when trying to navigate this new normal after a pandemic. And so these are new waters for all of us. We don't know what to expect. We don't know how things are going to go. And so everything feels just, you know, especially unfamiliar. So those are just some of the reasons why this re-entry anxiety, it makes so much sense. It's so understandable, both for those of us who don't experience or don't typically experience much anxiety, who don't meet criteria for an anxiety disorder, and also for those of us who do meet criteria for an anxiety disorder, especially those whose anxiety is often triggered out of the home, around other people. So again, this, this re-entry anxiety is understandable. And now let's move to talking about what do we do about it? How do we cope with this in an effective manner? And there are a few things that I'm gonna talk about, a few kind of tips that I'm gonna to give today. And the first one is really that in order to be able to cope with this re-entry anxiety, I think it's important to start to become more aware of what specifically is making you feel anxious, right? So are you finding yourself feeling anxious when in crowds? Is it not knowing if a situation is safe or not that's especially anxiety provoking for you? Um, is it kind of just thinking about the uncertainty that exists and about how, how long this new kind of period of being open, how long this will last, right? So really honing in on what are the things, what are the thoughts that are causing some anxiety? What are the situations that are causing some anxiety? And once you become aware of that, then I think, especially if it's a, if it's a situation or an activity that you're feeling anxious about, let's say um, you're, you're feeling anxious about going back to the gym, I think there, that's an instance where you can consider whether that situation, that activity is optional or not optional. And so if you are, if you're in the Olympics, you're, you know, um, currently, then obviously going back to the gym may not be optional. You might have to do it. It's kind of part of your job. But for most of us, that's an optional activity that, and an optional place to be in that we don't necessarily have to, you know, we don't have to get back to the gym. And so I think just considering whether it's optional or not is important. Same thing again, if, if the, your employer is requiring you to be back in the office Monday through Friday from nine to five come fall, well, that's, unless you're going to quit your job, that's really not optional. And so you're going to need to do that. And so we can talk about what steps to take when there's something you're feeling anxious about that is not optional in a minute. 
But first I want to talk about what do we do when, when there are these, these activities that we don't have to do, but, um, but again, we're, we're grappling with whether or not we want to do them, whether we should do them, or we feel safe doing them, whether it's worth the risk of doing these things. So what I'll say here is I think every person has a different um, kind of threshold, uh, a different tolerance for risk. And so I'm not going to be giving any answers about whether something is um, worth taking the risk for or not. I'm, and I also am not going to give any medical advice here in terms of, um, you know, risk of contracting COVID. All I'm going to be talking about is a decision-making process that I think you can use to help guide your decision. And so I, when there is an optional activity, let's say it is going back to the gym again, there, what I would want to do would be first to look for expert medical guidance. What are experts saying? What's the CDC saying? What are um, maybe, uh, what's your, your physician saying? What are other trusted, um, you know, medical organizations saying? And that can be a starting point for making this decision. But again, this, this isn't going to necessarily, um, be clear cut. As I noted earlier, right now, there doesn't seem to be consensus necessarily, um, with regard to certain activities about what's safe or what's not safe. I mentioned earlier that in my own family, some people disagree and, you know, they have colleagues and friends and I have my own friends, many of whom are physicians. And again, there's, a, there seems to be disagreement about what's safe or, or what's worth doing. What's, what's, um, worth taking the risk on and what's not. So knowing that that guidance may not be super clear. At times though, it will, you know, it's fairly clear. For instance, I think most medical experts agree that when in uh, uncrowded environments, outdoors, that we do not need to wear masks right now, right? If we're, if you're going on a walk, even with your kids, if the street's not packed, probably okay for everyone to be out without a mask on. And so I think when they're, when you've got that expert advice, if you're noticing that you're kind of going above and beyond, right? Maybe you're wearing a mask just to take out your trash in the suburban town in which you live where, you know, nobody really walks by when you're taking out the trash. And I think that's an instance where you might say, okay, Maybe this is something I can start changing. Maybe I can start practicing being outside without wearing a mask. And we'll talk about maybe some of the steps you might take to ease your way into getting out and about without wearing a mask in a minute. Um, but again, when there's an activity, a situation that's kind of optional, my first step, at least, the first thing I do, the first thing I recommend patients do is really look to experts. What do experts say? After that, again, especially when it's not clear cut, right? There's not necessarily wide consensus or experts say, you know, for instance, that it's worth like, you know, kids can go to summer camp. Experts agree on that but there is a risk that kids could get COVID at summer camp. And so if, obviously this is the middle of summer, people have already made up their minds probably about summer camp at this point, but um, I'll come back 
to this because this was something that I was wondering about. And for me, one of the things that was helpful was to look to my values, to look to my values to help me make that decision. And so I value being able to have time during the day to really do my work, to see patients, to um, do this podcast, to work on my writing, um, I'm writing a book. So I, I, it's important for me to have that time. And so, and I also, it's important to my kids. It's important to my kids to be able to be with their friends, to be able to run and play and, um, you know, go swimming every day. And so even though uh, there's, you know, some risk to them being around other kids at camp, my husband and I together decided that, you know, because of our values, because these things are important to us, it made sense for us to send them to camp. And so I think when the, when medical guidance is mixed about whether something's safe or not, or when people say it's okay, but, or it, it's, you know, the, it's some, a reasonable risk to take, but there is still some risk, I think then it can be really important to consider whether continuing to avoid that situation, that activity, might interfere in some way with you being able to live in a way that's congruent with your values. So let's say that you've decided that there are some situations, some activities that you'd like to be able to start doing again. Either you're recognizing that maybe you've been playing it a little too safe throughout the pandemic, or maybe there are just some things that are important to you that you don't want to miss out on. And so you're, you decide that you, it's probably worth taking the risk of potentially you know, getting COVID or transmitting COVID. It's worth taking those risks in order to live your life in the way that you really, really value, in a way that matters to you, right? Maybe you want to be able to start going to family birthday parties, for instance, outdoor family birthday parties that might seem anxiety provoking to you because they're crowded and, and people are going unmasked. Let's say that that's the case, right? That either you decide you're, you're, you want to start easing up on some of the restrictions you've placed upon yourself, or there are just some important things in your life that you don't want to miss out on. Let's talk about some steps that you can take there to start again, to start approaching some of these things, to start getting yourself back out into the world. And so the first thing that I would recommend is to gradually and systematically start to approach the situations that make you feel anxious. So if it's, um, if it's thinking about going back to work, let's say again, coming back, I talked about how there are sometimes there are situations that aren't optional. So let's say you know that come fall, you're going to need to be back in the office nine to five and you have to take public transportation to get to your office because you live in a busy city and don't have a car. In that case, what I would recommend would be to take some really, um, you know, to, to take some time now before the fall to practice being back in your office riding public transportation. So maybe it's first just, you know, going, taking the, the train to your office or even just to like the first stop, but just taking it a little bit of the way, um, getting, so getting yourself to the office and then maybe 
Um, one day going in and spending just a little bit of time in there, walking around, maybe not even sitting down, but just kind of walking the halls for half an hour or so. And the next day maybe finding, you know, getting into your actual office, sitting at your desk, maybe just catching up on some email while you're there or having a phone call while you're there. But again, kind of easing yourself back into things ideally well before you actually need to be back in the office. That would be my recommendation there. And the same thing goes for those optional activities. If you decide that it's something that you want to be able to do again, uh, I would, again, you don't have to throw yourself in right in there right away. So if it's, if you know that you've got a, an outdoor birthday party coming up and you've kind of been avoiding being around other people, and this outdoor birthday party is gonna have a lot of people there. Maybe first getting together with one group of friends one weekend, and the next weekend, you know, getting together with another group to kind of ease your way back into being around people who, you know, outside of your home. So again, we can take so, some baby steps if we need to. And keep in mind a couple of things as you're taking those baby steps. The first is that there's a good chance with each baby step that you're going to feel a good amount of anxiety. And if you remember from, if, for those of you who listened to the first episode, I talked a lot there about how anxiety is not a bad thing in and of itself, right? In fact, there's a lot of value to be learned in learning that we can feel anxiety and still do the things that matter to us and learning that we can tolerate anxiety and not need it to, um, to dictate what we do or don't do and not need it, not need to do anything to make that anxiety go away. So know that if you find yourself getting together with friends or you find yourself on the train going to your office feeling really anxious, like it's okay to allow yourself to feel that anxiety. That doesn't mean that you need to stop doing that that activity, that exposure right away. In fact, I'd encourage you to ride it out, to stay with that anxiety, to, to welcome that anxiety and let yourself feel it. And, and know that again, it doesn't, it doesn't even need to come down at all. It can, it might be that throughout that whole gathering, throughout that whole train ride that you find yourself feeling pretty anxious. And that still, that can be some, that can lead to some really powerful learning. It can help you learn. You can tolerate that high level of anxiety and not need to do anything to go, to make it go away. And so then, then what I would encourage you to do, let's say your anxiety remains high, or even if your anxiety starts to kind of come down a bit, I'd encourage you to keep practicing putting yourself in those situations that feel a little anxiety provoking or very anxiety provoking and to do so for a good 30, 60 minutes at least at a time. And this repeated prolonged practice, this is really key because it will not only help you learn that you can tolerate high levels of anxiety for extended periods of time, but it will also give you the opportunity to see that if you do allow yourself to feel that anxiety for long enough and you know enough times, that eventually with time, that anxiety will likely start to decline naturally on its own. 
And this isn't a guarantee, but oftentimes this is what ends up happening. If we keep putting ourselves into a given situation without trying to make the anxiety go away in any way, shape, or form, that anxiety will eventually start to dissipate on its own. And with that in mind, when approaching these anxiety-provoking situations, it's also really important to be on the lookout for any avoidance behaviors that you might be engaging in to try to keep your anxiety at bay or to try to prevent your feared outcomes from happening. And I want to note that avoidance isn't always a bad thing. In fact, avoidance can sometimes be really adaptive. It can help to keep us and others safe. So for example, over the past couple of months, I have continued to wear a mask when indoors, like at the grocery store, because of the fact that I have two young unvaccinated kids at home. So I made that choice in an attempt to try to decrease the likelihood that I would bring COVID home to them. And so to me, that a form of avoidance, that safety behavior that I'm engaging in, keeping my mask on, that's worthwhile. It's potentially helping to protect my kids. So what I'm talking about here are avoidance behaviors that aren't really necessary, that might help you to feel safer. They might help you to feel as though your feared outcomes are less likely to happen, but they may not actually be protecting you all that much. So for instance, if you're going to social gatherings, but you are, you know, keeping like more than six feet of distance between you and others, um, when you talk to them outdoors and you're wearing your mask, you're the only one there wearing your mask the whole time outdoors, I think noticing those things and saying, okay, like these are maybe, maybe you'll use some of those avoidance behaviors at first. But ideally then working to gradually uh, eliminate those avoidance or safety behaviors. And because the more you, if you keep them in, you're going to, you're teaching yourself essentially that the only reason why you didn't get COVID at that outdoor gathering is because you kept 12 feet between you and every person and you wore your mask the whole time. And so I think it's going to be important to gradually take away those safety behaviors and Again, know that there might be some risk. And if that's something that you value though, being with your friends, you know, being able to hug your friends, you might decide it's worth that risk. And so that, that would be my, my recommendation there to look for any avoidance safety behaviors and work to cut those out. And in addition to eliminating any safety or avoidance behaviors that might be on board when beginning to approach these anxiety-provoking situations, it's also going to be important for you to acknowledge and accept the possibility of your feared outcomes and to do so without trying to avoid the thoughts about those feared outcomes in particular. So for instance, if you're... Um, attending a a gathering, a social gathering, and the whole time you're there, you're telling yourself, you're trying to convince yourself of why it's unlikely that you're going to get COVID. Well, you're kind of avoiding still in some way. uh, And and what's going to happen is maybe you'll feel better in the moment, but then a few seconds later, there's a good thought that, you know, there's a good chance that you're going to have the thought, well, oh, but 
maybe I, I could get it still. Or maybe that person who I just shook hands with, you know, I just saw that person cough into their arms. So maybe they actually had COVID and I just shook their hand and maybe now I will get it. And so instead of trying to avoid the thought that you might get COVID or that your kids might get COVID, instead, I would encourage you to do your best to acknowledge that that could happen, right? You could get COVID. Or if it's a fear that maybe you might embarrass yourself in some way or that you might get rejected if there's some social anxiety, acknowledging, you know what? Yep, maybe I'll make a fool of myself and still approaching anyway. So that's the other piece. Again, we want to work to, want to gradually and systematically start to approach those anxiety-provoking situations, allow yourself to feel that anxiety in full to help your, to help you learn that you can tolerate that anxiety, that distress. And as part of that, making sure that you're not doing anything to try to bring that anxiety down, right? You're not engaging in any safety or avoidance behaviors and that you're not trying to avoid the thoughts themselves that are, that, um, you know, about what could happen because you're putting yourself into that situation, that instead you're facing those thoughts head on too. And for those of you who are listening, thinking to yourself that that sounds you know, easier said than done, uh, or maybe you've tried to do some of these things on your own and have found that it's pretty difficult because it can be challenging, uh, I, I want to encourage you to consider seeking out help. Right? There are exposure therapists out there who can really help you to start to approach these, these sorts of things to help you to address this anxiety. So if you're feeling like this might be a bit much to take on on your own, please, please consider seeking out a therapist who can help you do so. All right, I'm going to stop here for today, but... I would love to hear from you. This is episode number four of the podcast, and I would love to hear what you're liking about the podcast, what if anything you wish were different, if you have any things you hope that I would talk about in upcoming episodes. I'd love to get that feedback from you. I'd also love to, if there are any questions, right? If, if I spoke about anything and now you're, you're wondering what that means for you or how to go about doing something, I'd love to get those questions. And again, I can't answer super individualized questions on the podcast nor over email, but if you get a question, I'll do my best to see if I can speak to that in you know the next episode or in the upcoming episodes. So please feel free to reach out if you feel up for it. My email is mail at alissajared.com. So M-A-I-L at my name, A-L-I-S-S-A-J-E-R-U-D.com. And I'll make sure that that's in the show notes for today so that you can find that easily. You can also look on my website, which is alissajared.com and get my email there. And in the meantime, thank you so, so much for listening. I hope that this was helpful and hope that you'll tune in next time when I'll be talking about Something that relates to this re-entry anxiety, something that people are calling social hangovers. So I'll talk about what those are, how anxiety can sometimes fuel those, and what we can do to 
prevent those or to decrease the likelihood of them coming up in the future. All right, thanks again. I hope you take good care and I hope you'll join me next time. Thank you for listening to the Anxiety Savvy Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a five-star review and share it with your friends and family. As a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for therapy. If you are having a mental health emergency, dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency department. And if you are looking for mental health treatment, please visit the resources section of my website, alissajared.com.